0: Some sort of pressure must exist. The artist exists because the world is not perfect. Art would be useless if the world were perfect, as man wouldn't look for harmony, but would simply live in it. Art is born out of an ill designed world. Andrey Tarkovsky. Welcome to the Mirror. This is a meditative and journalistic series reflecting on the creating of contemporary art um, hosted by me, Justin Reed. I'm a filmmaker based in North Queensland in Australia, but by the time you're listening to this, I could be uh, living somewhere quite far from here. I'm not sure yet, but that's something we can get to as the series evolves. This is a podcast series that I feel like I've been wanting to create for years and I if you if you know me if if you in the audience has come to this project from either knowing me personally or having heard or seen other projects that I've created you would probably be aware that I started a podcast series uh in March of 2020 which was again something that I had wanted to do for quite a while but Uh, It was just a, I guess at that moment, a reaction to the coronavirus pandemic and impending lockdowns and all of the uncertainty that was going on. I not only felt like I wanted to contribute some kind of voice, uh, some kind of thoughts about what was happening in the world from my perspective of being a filmmaker and I guess uh, an artist uh, still finding himself as an artist. But also wanting to uh, hopefully provide some kind of uh, solace or solidarity, or I guess chance for reflection and even maybe escape for other people like me who are, you know, still somewhat early in their career of art creation or filmmaking or or other types of um, creative endeavors. And it was really helpful. I did sort of eight episodes and mainly they were interviews with other artists other filmmakers musicians visual artists uh, people running businesses and I think reflecting back on that it was an interesting experience it was really useful but over time it really started to wear on me for a few reasons and this project the mirror is almost a reaction in itself to that experience but in my mind it is more along the lines of what I wanted the project to be in the first place and because of the state of things and you can never know these things at the time or even ahead of time especially with the year that 2020 has unfolded to be but it just sort of became antithetical to what I wanted it to be in the first place and that's because again, I just sort of launched into it, even though it was an idea, you know, in my head for a fair while. Um, But given the free time I had with less work happening, and again, that uncertainty and sort of want, desire to, um, I guess, have some control over the situation and the world, I launched into the project. And I have no regrets about it. Uh, I just sort of want to reflect briefly here on some of the things i think went really well and some of the things that look i don't want to call them failures but definitely things that um happened or that sort of the project trended towards that i didn't really like about it and the reason i guess why well i talked about in that in the final episode of that about why i was putting it on hold or i guess at this point it's it's uh you know it's finished which is which is fine, it's fine to move on from projects if they're not working, if they're not, you know, um, if they're not speaking to who you are at that time or, or the feelings that you feel like you need to put out into the world. But one of the biggest things was that just the reactive nature of it and um, the fact that there were things happening in the world at the time, you know, like I said, this has been a crazy year there have has been (laughs) mass death and trauma uh protest movements just not only just the utter depths of uh insanity but also uh people driving themselves insane through sustained um you know sustained exposure to these things and whether that's the news media social media just hearing everyone tell everyone else about how we must uh, exist in this new um in this in this new realm that that we are you know currently living in this new way of being and and no one really knows uh, what is happening and what we're doing and we're all telling each other how we should be because we don't know what else to do and, uh, you know, that's, I guess what the podcast was centered around was like reacting to the moment and that's fine. You know, that's, we, we, we will always react, but I guess for me as some distance has, um, been put between this time and that project. And I guess for posterity, um, I'm recording this in on the 22nd of November, 2020. So, at the end of this tumultuous year, um, I want to create and express myself in less inherently reactive ways, and that is going to be a big theme of this show: is how our overmediated experiences and uh, you know just being constantly in this deluge of of stimulus lead us to be incredibly reactive and reactionary in the way that we view the world and I think as an artist that is quite antithetical to what I deem to be an important part of the process which is taking time and experimentation and honestly a high element of like waste and failure that is needed to create meaningful work Um, if you are if you are just constantly instantly reacting to everything I think not only does it diminish your work but it also It also can lead you to a point of like, and this is from my own experience, a point of like deep dissatisfaction with what you're doing. Um, This is a good segue into, you know, well, that was what I felt like 7213, the podcast project turned into. But I think also is a good segue into my career as a filmmaker, which has been entirely premised on commercial filmmaking. So making advertisements, uh, corporate documentaries, music videos and learning some fantastic skills and fantastic ways of you know dealing with people and telling stories and creating some aesthetically beautiful work but after sort of five years of this journey uh, it has left me quite disillusioned because um and and I guess I, I always want to be honest about these things and I and I was in the last podcast project as well about the fact that Uh, Creating commercials, and I guess most people would probably relate to this in this sphere, is not uh, my number one desire. It is not my desire to sell things. It is not my um, inclination when I wake up in the morning when I think, what do I want to do? And that's a challenging question that, again, in our hypermediated world, we often don't get to that uh, question in a in a good way we don't give ourselves the time and the space to ask that question of ourselves and answer it but when uh with this time and i guess isolation that i've had this year i've had a lot of time to ask that question and other important questions and the more time has gone on the more i have just uh almost completely checked out of (laughs) that process of creating commercials for people and it's it's Ironic because I am at a really good point where my work is good. I have a steady flow of clients, um, surprisingly, but it's not premised on, I guess, the work itself. And it's not like uh, commercial clients are looking for something that you're telling in your work or something that you're specifically saying, as you would with an artistic work. But when it comes to commercialized work, it can be more reduced to well, I have this business need. I have this need to sell a product or a service or promote something. And that's the goal that I'm trying to achieve. And to do that, I need high quality video storytelling skills. It's great that I have those skills. I'm um, very pleased that I have them. And I'm very pleased that I'm now at a point where like, and this can sound almost elitist, but you know, I don't care. Like take it how you want, but I've been doing it for at least a number of years and actively and intentionally trying to develop those skills that it's quite challenging for me to make something look aesthetically bad now, you know, like the things I do and the things I film, even the more mundane things, I think look aesthetically really beautiful and or, um, quite emotive, but, underneath that there is a hollowness that I feel inside myself because the intention behind creating a lot of that imagery is to sell something and you know that's an interesting uh topic as well that that I really want to delve into in this project is the interplay with the commercialization of art and uh, you know I was talking with I've talked with uh artist friends about this but I've also talked to a therapist recently about you know this exact struggle that I've been having in my work, and the therapist, you know, kind of posited to me, well, think about the fact of like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, like these artists that we think of, like the, the, the masters, the the most classic artists of of the last, you know, millennium, uh, and the work that they've created and the impact that has had on, on the world at large and the art community and and the way that people see and interpret the world through uh imagery whether it's painting or sculpture or or photography anything like that um you know they they were commission-based artists those were commissions the Sistine Chapel artwork is a commission uh which is an interesting thought to have and obviously you know there's a place for commercialization in art but at this point in the world, I think in in the especially the world as we know it this year, the commercialization of art has outpaced any type of like I don't want to say art for art's sake because that too can be a problem. You know, you probably want to exist somewhere in between the the complete abject commercialization of art forms and uh, just you know everyone um, uh, scribbling absolute shit on a, on a piece of paper um, you probably most meaningful art will exist somewhere in between that space and there's an interesting interplay between those two extremes but um, we've seen a, a hyper commercialization of art and also in the way that we think and that real comes back to you know the the hyper mediation that we experience the the sort of I guess I would call it Uh, the sort of social media mindset or even you could call it like a corporate efficiency mindset, which is about, you know, how can we tell this story as quickly as possible? How can we um, convey this information as cheaply as possible? What's the best looking video we can make for cheap? And you see that in your social media timeline. You'll see that in, you know, the existence of TikTok and the popularity of it. You know, there is some real artisanal skill to that being able to tell a story in 60 seconds or less and have it be engaging but you ultimately get this platform where the art all tends to sort of blend together and look like each other and and you know stealing and copying has been a large part of art throughout its history but now it's happening on such a scale that like you know originality intentionality it's it's almost gone in those spheres Same thing with Instagram, you know, like a trend picks up within a week, there's a thousand um, think pieces and the fastest growing types of like Instagram uh, accounts and probably even YouTube accounts are people teaching other people how to make it big on Instagram. You know, like you can go through your explore, discover feed and the things that you're being marketed are like, this is how to be good on Instagram. And you look at those people, 60,000 followers 200,000 followers and then everyone looks at that and goes oh well that's the way to get big on instagram is to teach people (laughs) how to get big on instagram it's this really interesting ouroboros that uh you know i've been a part of and i have found problematic and i want to get away from that and be a lot more intentional in my art and it's not as simple as just you know creating art um just going all right, I'm not gonna um, you know do exactly that thing. I'm just gonna do whatever. It's about being savvy in how you consume art. It's about like being intentional in your lifestyle as well. So I am almost completely uh, adrift from any social media. I'm not uh, logged in or really activated on Facebook. Um, I'm not logged in on Instagram. I receive no notifications. I've even removed YouTube from my phone, twitch from my phone any of these bigger platforms where you know this type of content is so rife and like it's not like I've I I fully don't watch YouTube or anything like that I definitely do but when I do watch it I just can't help but feel unenthused about the sort of like you know lack of artistic expression because again that mindset of like efficiency uh corporatization commercialization it it squashes the ability for some kind of revelatory or transcendent artistic experience in these platforms. You just can't have it because that's not what they're built for. That's not what they're designed for. Um, I mean, you can do it, but if you want to build an audience in the way that they're doing it, you'll probably get frustrated because you will try and do things your own way. It's very likely there won't be any sort of like reaction or pickup from it um, because you're trying to appeal to a more niche audience You know, you're not trying to, uh, I don't want to say dumb everything down, but just like make it as accessible as possible. Less people are going to watch it and you're left with two options, which is probably give up or to start to tailor your content, which is a loaded word, I think, uh, your content to a more accessible audience. It's great that we have such accessible uh, art and that art is being democratized. But as I sort of am discussing here, the actual artistry in it, the, the art of it is being completely diminished and just, yeah, wiped out of existence in favor of this sort of like cookie cutter approach of like, this is how you do this thing and this is what this thing looks like. Um, obviously, people are consuming it en masse and my theory, and it's not an original theory by any means, is that they're consuming it en masse because it is what is conveniently available in their lives. I've really come to feel like, you know, the more uh, I was exposed to not just social media, especially Instagram, but YouTube as well. And the more you sort of like follow people who are quote unquote YouTubers or commercial artists, your, you know, vision of what work and art can be becomes really limited because these people that you are following and learning from and and i guess idolizing to some extent as well they are working from a restricted palette in terms of they have to create within the realms of commercials you know they have commercial clients that have those objectives that i was speaking about and they're creating within those bounds sure their imagery again may be beautiful their their work may be aesthetically very impressive and even moving but because it is uh I'm just going to say, I feel like it's inherently tainted by that, you know, the fact that it is a commercial is that again, it's painting a very limited view of the world and it's almost a, a bleak and almost dystopic view of the world is that, you know, the only bastion left for artists is to be creating commercials. That is something that has led to my disillusionment. And, you know, I, I've decided again being quite intentional that i need to move away from that that i i and i and i couldn't do it in half measures i couldn't just you know unfollow these people but follow these people still i needed to just completely remove this platform from my life and get it out of my field of view and out of my psyche and you know having sort of been away from it for a substantial amount of months now for the better part of six months, I've been off social media. It has been incredibly helpful because, you know, even after just a week or a few weeks, you forget the people you even followed. You forget what the work even looks like. You forget the mindset that you so readily buy into because it is in the air. It is everything that you're experiencing. And I'm, I'm really glad that I've made that move because it's led me back to a point now where I can create this project and not feel Anxious about it and not feel like I um, have to do it or it's something that I should do. It is something that I'm, you know, again, intentionally sitting down to do. And reflecting back on 7213, you know, I set myself a schedule of one episode every two weeks, and that was fine for the first few months when I had that, you know, sort of initial spark or, or passion or drive or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but then when you know my client-based work picked back up and then I had other ideas and I honestly was probably lying to myself a little bit about how much I was actually enjoying the project I mean there were things that I really enjoyed about it but there were other things that I I didn't like and as it began to turn into uh its own type of like commercial job that needed its own you know like commercial sheen and way of um approaching things that yeah I really began to be a bit disillusioned with that as well Um, but I'm glad I went through that because now I can present this project in the way that I want to and in a format that I want to so just to speak a little bit about that uh, what I learned from that experience was that I need the flexibility to come to these projects and recordings when I truly feel like it and I need the flexibility to, you know, uh, not have that like stringent schedule there. And there's benefits for having deadlines and schedules, you know, but I think it comes down to what kind of project and work you're creating and who you're creating it for. And that has been the biggest problem is that I haven't really known why I've been doing these things or who the audience is for. And, you know, because of that, I'm sort of imposing these restrictions on myself again restriction can be super helpful in fact i i think you know having the right restrictions in place and your artistic practice will enable you to grow tenfold because you are focusing really strongly on certain specific things and you are mastering those things um, in a faster timeline than if you try to do everything at once but yeah it's important to me that the mirror um to you know, maintain this quality of being meditative, journalistic, and to, I guess, be honest and not shy away from difficult subjects and, and struggles and to, you know, convey my honest feelings about my processes and, and experiences and experimentation as a, a visual artist, as a filmmaker who is trying to transcend past a commercial career into one of a more meaningful arts experiences, um, yeah, I need, I need, uh, just complete flexibility to create, record and, and I guess post when it suits me. So I can't say that they will be weekly, fortnightly, even monthly, you know, there may be times where there are a lot of things coming out in this realm. There may be times when there are less coming, uh, coming out, uh, on, you know, this project Because I may be working on other things because I may not truly be feeling it. And I don't think that we should always, um, you know, show up to these things if, if we truly are like, well, why the hell would I do that today? I don't think that is meaningful. I think there are other meaningful ways that I need to spend my time and live my life right now. Again, you know, like deadlines, um, scheduling, it can be very important, but it depends on what you're doing. And if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, then you will, it's a sure surefire recipe for, you know, dissatisfaction and burnout and resentment, resentment towards your own craft, you know. This project here, the mirror, the podcast, as it stands, this is not going to be my major output. This is a, like I said, a, a journalistic series. This is sort of longer, more un- uh, Unfiltered. I don't. I was gonna say ramblings, but I, I think uh, uh, reflections is probably a better a better um, term about you know, like I said, my my process, my experiences, my experimentations, and uh, because I need that too. I need to be able to put this out into the world, and you know, it's. I guess there is something I think is inherently important in sharing, not just from. A sense of like you know feeling seen and understood by other people but also being able to use your skills and talents as it were to hopefully have a better effect on other people and to share ideas and you know I would like to be at a point where my art speaks for itself that the films I create and I think I'm also going to be delving back into installation art and sculpture which is something that I was you know, heading down as a sort of separate creative path when I was sort of in my last year of university, leaving university for a year or so after that. But when I, you know, really delved into commercial filmmaking, that just completely went away. Um, uh, Much to my, uh, much to my, uh, what would be the best word? I don't know. It wasn't a good outcome for me that that happened because I lost my connection with you know, art creation and, you know, we can talk a lot more about what that even means as this project goes on, like what is art and, you know, how do you approach art or what are some like ideal ways to approach art? I have my own uh, thoughts and uh, beliefs about it and I'm going to be really candid about that because something that's really important to me is I think being honest and ideally being firm in what you believe uh, at the same time as not only challenging yourself, but allowing yourself to be challenged and humbled by your experiences in the world and humbled by the art that you create and even reactions to it. Uh, I think both of those things are really important. And I think something that that is good for my own sake is putting ideas out there and being firm about them, you know, even if I'm a bit unsure, not, not to the point of being an arsehole about it, but just being like you know, this is what I believe art should be. And this is what I'm thinking that could change as time goes on, but it's not really served. It doesn't really serve anyone for me to, to be here wasting your time with sort of like half baked ideas that I kind of think are worthwhile, but I don't know if you think it's good. And so I'm not really going to tell you how I think. No, I, I think that's how we get to this point where we are inundated with sort of like I guess you could call it like soft art. Like that's what these YouTube videos and Instagram content, you know, that's what they are. They're soft art. They're not trying, they're trying to be inoffensive. And I'm not saying your goal should be to be offensive, but by trying to be inoffensive and appeal to, you know, a larger audience, you're ultimately watering down what you want to say and what you want to put out there to the point where like it's meaningless, you know, that's what commercialized art, like hyper commercialized art is to me it's meaningless I find it meaningless I find no uh, joy uh, or catharsis or you know any type of meaning in the creation of it and the more I do it the less meaning I think can be squeezed out of it like it is a lemon and that lemon had no juice in it a year ago and a year on god you don't want to see the state of the lemon that's all I'll say Um, I love, yeah, for those who know me, I love metaphors. And a friend told me yesterday, I always have a philosophical answer for everything. And he told me that, and then I launched into a philosophical tirade of responding to that. And he's like, there you go again. And I'm like, I know, um, I'm proud of it. This is who I am, you know, and that's something else that will shine through on this project is I will, you know, I'm not afraid to wear on my sleeves, like what I love, what I hate and honesty and, um, yeah also just to be you know open about when ideas change or when I am humbled by an experience and the later episodes of 7213 were about that they were about how you know the the experiences I was having in the world at that moment and what was happening in the world was humbling me and was truly changing how I felt about things and I realized that you know the current state of mind that I was in and the hyper mediation I was experiencing, it was unsustainable. It was untenable. And it was fucking ruining me as a human being. And I don't, I, I know a lot of other people felt very similarly at that time. And it just, it just changed how I approach things. And, you know, I'm glad for it. i am um, I'm, I'm keen to sort of delve into that a bit more, but my idea is to keep this about art, you know, contemporary art and, um, other forms of art that maybe where we don't have the quote unquote attention span to deal with anymore. I talked to so many of my friends and I realized that, you know, I'm the only filmmaker I know who really watches like films or types of like more challenging cinema, you know, there are people I know who will watch the latest Marvel movies and the latest Christopher Nolan movies and I'll watch them with them and I'll enjoy them to some extent, but they are not the kind of art that I I crave and that I feel like I need to experience, you know, and and it, it can be very isolating because the art that I'm into, the art that I'm experiencing... There is no one I personally know to share it with. And that's okay, you know, like, that's that's my journey. Uh, I've, I am a, a walking contradiction anyway. I'm an incredibly introverted person who needs to uh, be out there in the world and, and be extroverted at the same time. And because of that, you know, I'm going to talk about some art that might be uh, foreign or uh, even uh, very alien to you, the listener, my, my hope, my recommendation for you would be to step outside your comfort zone and to engage with, you know, what I would even call like, like an example is something that I, uh, a type of film that I watch, which has been sort of classed as slow cinema, but I think an even better way to call it would be boring cinema. And the first of these films that I experienced that has like really opened my mind to what art and cinema can be and how um, cinema works with, with time and allows you to let your mind run wild is the film Stalker by Andrei Tarkovsky. And I've talked about him a lot and anyone who ever followed me on Instagram when I was really posting there consistently will know that his work is very inspiring to me. But I hadn't seen his work yet because it is somewhat impenetrable. Um, Stalker itself is about three hours long and features all up maybe 10 actors. Most of the film follows three actors. Like people ask me what it's about. I tell them it's amazing. And I say, it's basically about three guys walking around, um, in a landscape for like three hours, having a very slow sort of like philosophical breakdown, (laughs) um, of their belief system. But Um, you know that's what happens in the movie but the movie is about so much more The the movie is about time it is about faith it is about losing your faith but also needing to have faith despite living in a faithless world and it's incredibly powerful but like I can't deny that there are just long long scenes that are beautiful in their own way but they're not like you know it's not like watching a commercial where every single shot is like perfectly crafted like a lot of these shots are quite standard but because of the way that they go on for so long and they draw you in and you are left with this time for your mind to wander and to think and honestly in parts to be bored you know that is not a bad thing i i thought that if a movie's boring it's awful and usually when we think oh it's a boring movie because oh the acting is bad or it's like some shitty b movie that had uh, you know, nobody interesting in it, and the storyline was bad. But like when I talk about boredom in this instance, I talk about the fact that you are sitting with something so slow and meditative that you are uh, you have to engage with your own thoughts. It's not a barrage of, of eclectic imagery. It's not a, a superhero fight scene. It is not you know a Christopher Nolan uh, action sequence that is just like overstimulating you to the point of insanity it is letting you sit with your thoughts and sit with your boredom and actually like think about what it means and what art means and how you're feeling and how you're feeling watching this and that is such a beautiful experience and something I hadn't had before and you know it's still challenging it is challenging to sit there and watch something that is honestly boring in many ways but so beautiful in so many others and that's what stalker was for me and there are other artworks that i am engaging with that are like that and in saying that the work that i'm creating personally for myself my own film work that i've been working on for god at this point it's the last two years and none of it has really seen the light of day yet but you know i've come to peace with that and i'm i'm okay with that now because i'm not overly mediated and feel like i need to be finishing 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 projects all the time Um, you know my work is starting to feel like that too and be slower and you know there's this great quote by uh, Tarkovsky about the film where someone asked him like why is it so like slow and dull and his response was the film stalker needs to be slower and duller at the start so that the viewers who walked into the wrong theater have time to leave before the main action starts and like you know there is some action to it but not action in the way that we expect it now. But, you know, I think I think people could watch that film and come away thinking, that sucked. It was so dull and so boring. And that's, you know, the way people think about, and I'm using this term pejoratively here, quote-unquote foreign films, as if there is such a concept as a foreign film, which means that, you know, Western films are inherently better or, you know, standard in some way that films not from the Western world um, aren't, uh, you know, but again, like I came away feeling like I, I, it was just like my inherent feeling watching that film stalker was just, uh, I need time to think about this. It, I don't have an inherent reaction. You know, we live in the society of reaction, instant reaction. You, you don't even have time to process things. You experience something. You are, you feel like you need to react instantly. And that is the culture that we live in. But, you know, watching that film, it was really profound in the way that it changed my mindset. And it was because I was, again, intentionally engaging in this way and uh, um, had been trending down this path for a long time that by the time I watched Stalker that it had that effect on me. But I was like, this movie is amazing. It is about life and film and art and everything. Like it was so profound. And there was times where I was laughing. I mean, I have like goosebumps now thinking about it but at the same time i can recognize that it is slow and it is plodding but hey that like i like i said that's what i that's what i would hope for you the listener is to if that's what you want if you want to feel less i guess like strung out by this world if you want to feel like you want to get back in touch with some kind of creative side that's been you know dormant inside of you or maybe you feel like you've never had it but you need to express yourself one of the great ways that you can express yourself um or help yourself express yourself and this is something that I heard on the Cinema Cartography Patreon podcast Um, I highly recommend you looking into them on YouTube the Cinema Cartography look up the film uh, the video the best directors you've never heard of I think it's called Um, that would be a great launching off point into their world and their work and you can see how their philosophy have kind of shaped my philosophy in ways as well but if you create more than you consume and one of the ways that you can do that is to consume better like in a better way consume things more intentionally you know like take yourself to an art gallery let yourself like look at the artwork there let yourself engage with something you didn't expect watch a film you think is going to be challenging watch um you know you can you can always reach out to me i have a, a got a 5000 word list of uh 5000 um uh, movie list of films to watch and you know this year my goal was to watch a hundred films to actually engage with this art form that i have been creating in for the last five years and know nothing about and and have like no true understanding of um and i've watched like 93 or 94 films at this point i think and you know nearing the end of the year i think i'm going to hit my goal which is fantastic but again, I've been quite intentional with that list. Sure, I've watched some, you know, Hollywood commercialized films and they've been great. I still enjoy them. I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But get in touch with yourself. Um, Get in touch with that, like, feeling deep inside you that's been, like, kept away by your over-mediation and just experiencing, I guess, like I said, soft art, low art, whatever you want to call it. I don't care if, if this sounds elitist. I don't care if this sounds like I'm saying certain things are shitter than others. They are. It's just how I feel. You're not going to tell me otherwise, you know. Um, you can't tell me that, that a Marvel movie is better than some other films that I've watched because it, I'm just never going to see things that way because that's how I engage with the world. Um, you may think that and that's fine, you know. That's, that's important that you have your, your beliefs and your convictions. But if you're... Your beliefs and convictions are just coming from a point of view of like well those are the only movies i've seen in the last 10 years because they're the easiest things to watch because they're the only things to watch and they're completely frictionless and i know i can go into it and have an experience that is either you know safe or you know it's just a way to kill time for two or three hours then um i would i would suggest you know maybe spend some time thinking about that and and reflecting upon you know the things that you believe and whether you truly believe them or whether it's just a case of, okay, this is again, like this is what the media is telling me is a thing. And that's what I should believe. So I'll just pick between those things. There's a whole big world out there. There's a whole world of art to be experienced. And, you know, I'm going to look at this heavily through the lens of cinema, because that is the art form that I am most well versed in at this point, despite, you know, having a background in music, um, yeah, Doug, I guess those are really. Oh, sorry. I guess those are the really the only two, uh, you know, major art forms I've ever really um, expressed myself in. And now I'm getting back in touch with them at the same time as trying to to delve into some more foreign, um, you know, arts experiences as well. I've picked up a, a hobby this year, and I haven't had a hobby in the longest time because, you know, again, mediated world, my or my first intention nearly every time that I would start a hobby is to then turn it into a job. And that's what happened with music. And that's why I lost my passion for it. That's what happened with filmmaking. That's why I've lost my passion for it. Um, and I'm trying to regain that, trying to regain that through again, yeah, these intentional, um, you know, intentional art consumption, but also like letting myself express myself in ways that just come naturally that, that flow organically, you know, that aren't just hyper, hyper mediated and they're in this way, this way, this way. Um, ironically that the hobby I picked up this year was um, collecting like little miniatures, which I used to do as a, as a young child, I, I was really into Lord of the Rings. And when I found out you could, you know, collect little Lord of the Rings miniatures and build them and paint them and play battles against each other. Uh, I just fell in love with that and I was obsessed with it as a kid um, as I got older I just kind of neglected it I I was like yeah no I need to grow up I need to do whatever I got into music which was cool but you know it was never about like the enjoyment for me even as a as a teenager I was like oh I need to make it big you know I need to this needs to be my career even though all of the time I spent I didn't write Much music. There was a couple years there, but I didn't write much music for a lot of the time. I even was really into music because it wasn't this like sort of deep desire to create the music. It was just like, well, I need to have a job, so I guess I want to do something that I like, which is the only thing I like is music. Look, that's a long story and I've, I've talked about it in 7213. I will likely talk about it here again. But uh, the miniatures, you know, was something I loved as a kid. I sold half of my collection to my uncle for like $20 and I always regretted that decision. But luckily this year, you know, I've, I've had some more spare time as maybe a lot of us have. Maybe some of you haven't. And um, if you don't, if you can, I think it would be well worth your while to find a hobby if you don't have one. I decided I would get into, uh, Warhammer, you know, Warhammer 40,000, which is like a set in the distant future space battles, uh, you know, sort of robot army men and, uh, um, you know, aliens battling it out. And they also have a fantasy setting called age of Sigma. And I really delved into that, you know, there's, there's a rich sort of like lore, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hyper commercialized, like it's a product, you know, it's products that I'm buying, but it is a different sort of way of approaching things. And like, there is a real meditative quality to collecting, you know, learning about it and then building the models, which can take hours. Painting the models is my next endeavor. Like I'm still sort of only a couple models in at this point. And I, uh, I, I'm i happy to say I, I purchased, purchased back all the models I sold to my uncle because he just had them sitting there in a box for like 15 years and uh, maybe even bought a few more of him then I really needed because I just went screw it you know like I I should do things that make me happy and this is its own form of creativity that has led me to a point where now I'm thinking cool I'm painting these models you know that's quite um, a great introduction because uh, the way they're built and the way you paint them there is a pretty simple process to follow but I've also started thinking oh I should start painting on canvases I should start you know experimenting with spray paints as well and I've been building little like miniature scenery and, and terrain little mountains and like an evil portal with a, with a light up, um, you know, with a light up portal and I've covered it in snow and it's really quite, um, it's, it's quite a, a beautiful endeavor I think for me because it's reconnecting with sort of an inner child and like getting back in touch with things that I really liked and, and um, you know, it's helped me come out of my shell weirdly again because I am I'm proud of this endeavor I'm proud that I'm doing something for me that's for fun but also for you know bettering my skills it has an artistic quality to it but at the end of the day it's not it's not for anyone else it's for me and you need that you need that in your life and it's taken me a long time to realize that because I've been drinking the kool-aid but you know these last sort of six to nine months I've not been drinking the kool-aid um anywhere near as much that's for sure and you know i'm glad i'm glad that i've been you know following following that voice inside of me it's it's a two-pronged thing it's you know having having a lifestyle having a way of life that is intentional that resonates with you and that will then open up like the space for you to be able to explore yourself creatively explore yourself artistically whether it's cinema, photography, you know, music, illustration, painting, woodworking, um, any type of art, artisan craft, you know, I think it's incredibly important. And and I would hope that my experiences as well through this, through this podcast, through, you know, any videos that I will be making and the short films I've been working on, and even my, you know, in-person you know, installation work, which I, I really miss. I really miss that physicality to art. I miss being hands-on and I miss exhibiting work to people in a space that is like the most important thing. And I don't care what anyone says about, you know, the internet at this point and even things that I say and have said, but it is just no, it is no replacement for real life interaction. I think this year 2020 has taught us the you know the benefits of being around other people and having people in your life and fuck you know the zoom the zoom call year the year that we've lost just staring at screens has been so just soul damaging and and um even nausea inducing just like to to think about and I miss going to art museums. I miss going and watching films in the cinema. Some of the most inspiring things I've ever seen have been from art, you know, art experiences in real life. And I, and that's a, a major goal for me going forward into the next year and the next five, ten years is to have my arts experiences, be physical experiences that you can have. Sure, I know for the meantime, I'm probably going to reach a larger audience through, uh, you know, the online space and through digital, uh, intermediaries like YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at cultivating a personal sort of like, uh, creative space where, you know, my work won't be, I don't want to say diminished cause that sounds like my work is better than all the other work out there, but my work won't be interpreted through the lens of something like Instagram, or YouTube where it is surrounded by 50,000 other things that may or may not have relevance that like, again, like, you know, I'm not saying I'm anti-YouTube or anti-Instagram here, although there are some pretty large sentiments within me that definitely are anti-Instagram. Um, but I think it's important for me to have a space where, you know, it, like, imagine if I had a gallery space and you could come and view my latest work, that's something I would like to have in the future where I have a workshop where I can you know interface with real people in the real world and you can see my works in progress but you can also see anything that I've sculpted or painted or built or see screenings of films things like that you know that's going forward that's going to be on the agenda like I said in the next year in the next few years going forward I'm thinking quite long term like I have a sort of I guess a five-year plan and maybe even a sort of skeleton of a 10-year plan and that will change you know I had plans for this year those changed as well but something stuck really firm and the most firm thing is to create my art and you know in the meantime as I build towards something like that those experiences and a physical space or spaces where you know my work can be experienced Um, I'm going to create an online, I guess you'd call it, look, if you really wanted to be crass about it, it would be like a personal YouTube that just has my work, but it will be hosted on my own website. There will be a membership and it would be like coming to, you know, again, view my stuff in a real space, except it will be in an online space, but I'll also be posting, you know, work in progress you'll be able to see my ideas as I flesh them out Um, I'm not sure whether this project the mirror will be a public facing project or you know maybe sort of like semi-public but most of the important work will be kept in the private membership space as well Um, I'll, I'll figure that out but you know this first episode I just had an inkling on a Sunday afternoon to express these things I've been talking for nearly an hour now, so obviously I had something worthwhile getting out, and um, yeah, I will, I will have them, uh, I will have my work there for you to experience, and you know, I guess the way I think about it is like it'll be half and half, like you working into my uh, walking into my workshop and seeing what I'm working on at the moment, getting an insight into the work that I'm doing, but also kind of like a museum where you know you'll pay a yearly membership or a multi-yearly membership. They're going to be quite affordable. Like I'm, I'm really endeavoring to make this accessible to people, but in the same token, like make it an intentional experience that you have to engage with. It's not just for anyone. It's not just to be thrown out there to not be truly engaged with. And, you know, that's a major risk, you know, having a private platform, but I don't care. Like it's the, it's the only way that it will work for me. It's the only way I can see this working, moving forward. And it's something that I want to do. And, um, it will create a more meaningful connection between me, the artist, you, the audience, or even like other artists that are interacting with me. And like I said, it'll be, it'll be affordable. It'll be like signing up for a museum, you know, like you sign up for the Queensland museum. Not only do you get yearly access to, um, you know, going there whenever you want, there are other museums throughout Queensland you get access to. And that will basically what it will be like. It'll be an online gallery. You can come and check out my latest work. Um, certain works will be sort of premium and they will cost extra in the same way that, you know, if a David, uh, not David, what's a good example. Um, say Again, say you're going to like a, a, a fancy museum and there's like a Vincent van Gogh collection that's like a special collection usually you have to pay extra for something like that and it's not going to be an exorbitant amount of money but if I put uh two years and thousands of um or hundreds of hours and maybe thousands of my own uh, dollars into creating a film project um I would like that to be remunerated in, and I think most people probably agree that it's a fair thing and ten dollars twenty dollars you know for again one of these like intentional arts experiences it's it's the same as going to the cinema and eventually you'll be able to see my work in a cinema uh, knock on wood that they don't uh, you know go disappearing from the world but I don't I don't think they will um, you'll be able to engage with it in a meaningful way and you'll feel like you've got something for your money um, you know if you really hated it tell me you hated it and tell me why if you really want your money back I'll give you your money back but um, I think there is a real benefit to you know like not only just being intentional with the art that you consume but if you're giving patronage to an artist that it's showing that you have some kind of investment in it. You know, anyone can go and watch a video on YouTube, but it takes, a, I guess, like a, a commitment to wanting to see someone's growth, but also to, you know, put value on an artistic experience to pay money for something. That's something I believe in that, that I have signed up for certain things this year that I've paid for certain things like the streaming service Mubi, which is um, really focused on international cinema, art house cinema. They have an amazing library and some like really amazing work, film work that, you know, I've seen from way back to the 1920s in France to, um, you know, work that came out this year or last year from Finland, um, that I wouldn't have seen otherwise and wouldn't been exposed to otherwise. And, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be without me forking over that very minor investment, you know, when, you have expendable cash um to have those experiences and and to be part of that process of changing you know how I approach things so I'm really looking forward to that and I guess you know by the time you hear this it may already be live or you may be hearing this separate I don't know you know part of the process of um me recording these is I want them to be evergreen I don't want them to be just like like I said, reactive. I don't want them to be talking about the news of the day or this movie that came out or this product that's on the market. I want them to be evergreen feelings that you, the listener, could you know jump into at any time. Uh, but they're gonna be, for, for a lot of them, like purely in the moment reflections. Like it's a snapshot of like how I'm feeling right now, what is happening sort of like right now in my thought process Um, and my feelings about it but it won't necessarily be about like this date today and what is happening on this day so these may be uploaded weeks months after they're actually recorded they may be sort of like recorded in bulk and then um, spread out over a, a period of time it doesn't really matter like like I said I want them to be evergreen and it's important for me to to yeah just I guess jump on the microphone when I really have like some feelings that I want to express. And you know, I I I do look forward to hearing what people think about them. I do um I guess value honest feedback. Sometimes I hate hearing that like, you know, or I hate saying it like, "Oh, I love feedback" because uh, I mean, I can be a very um what did you call it? I can be a very like emotional and sentimental person. I think that's, you know, part of my personality that comes hand in hand with like being very caring and empathetic uh, but also that it's hard to hear feedback and sometimes I don't want to hear it but you know tell me anyway like that's because um, it's scary and it it can make you sad (laughs) you know like I'm not gonna lie about that some I feel like the reason why I hate when people say we love hearing feedback is because a lot of the time you can hear it in their voice that they really don't fucking love it and all they want to hear is how good they are and you know of course we want to hear how good we are why wouldn't you want to hear that why would you want to hear that you offended someone or that you're shit or something like that but um yeah again it's like you know that's just a reality and like if you have thoughts if you have feelings about this stuff if you want to even you know chat on the phone about it i I really value sort of phone conversations or video chats whatever now more than texting and emailing um you know there's benefits to them but like if you want to just talk about feelings, we can do that. Let me know. Um, try and keep it art related, but it's fine if it's not, you know. I'm not a, I'm not a therapist, but um, yeah. at some point, I guess, like, as part of, you know, this whole shebang, I, I feel like offering, I mean, I'm working on some educational material around filmmaking, around, I guess, a process that I have been calling intentional filmmaking um it which is an interesting interplay again with like you know commercial filmmaking and I guess more poetic filmmaking I guess it's like how do you make commercial filmmaking less commercial and that's sort of my intentional approach um but alongside that is like offering some mentor mentoring and offering like an availability to you know talk about these things to provide support to other artists to I guess be I guess almost like an arts therapist because that's just how I kind of view the world but um so that'll be something to look forward to as well and something coming down the pipeline when I was doing 7213 to talk about you know the reactive nature and uh that sort of like over commercial um feeling I had when I was doing it I felt really stressed out that I wasn't that I wasn't finishing projects in a timely manner that, that I handle these ideas and I was talking about them and they weren't getting done but I've really realized now that they need to take time you need to take time to get things to where they are and you know I do have this day job which is running my own commercial filmmaking business I do need to keep that afloat at least until I get to a point where you know maybe products that I'm selling and patronage um to you know these projects here and my short films are making some kind of income where I can step away from that or or I've even been considering just stepping away from commercial filmmaking entirely and getting some other kind of job I can see a lot of benefits to that right now because the more I do it the less it makes me want to you know create film as art and that's something that is really important to me is is this art creation um sorry, I'll be honest, I lost my train of thought there. Um, but, you know, I, I think that you know, something I learned was that, yeah, I just, I just need to take things as they come and and not sort of like, you know, always impose these super strict deadlines because otherwise the work, the the work will again become like a commercialized thing. I'll be trying to keep up with some kind of like schedule that I feel like I have to maintain even though nobody really expects it of me I've just put it on myself because I'm preempting oh well the clients want this It's like well I'm sorry these are not clients um you know you the listeners are, are a patron of mine or are at least a, an audience member of mine and you may have expectations you may have things that you sort of want from my artwork or you may have no vested interest at all but at the end of the day you know i've got to do it in the way that i've got to do it i've got to do it meaningfully to myself and i would urge you to do the same in any endeavors that you're working on in your own life you know that that organic project flow that's not being constantly intervened by by you know commercial clients is something that i'm i'm enjoying being able to do when i'm doing it but when i'm not doing it it really drags me down and ultimately you know i just want to be able to create art that does the talking for me, I mean, I love talking, you know, I'm still going on this episode. So you can probably tell, um, at least to some degree, I enjoy the sound of my own voice, which took a long time to get used to. Um, but yeah, to get to there, I need to, you know, let myself experiment. I need to give myself the time and just let things develop organically without that corporate efficiency mindset. So look, I'm gonna wrap it up there for the first episode. Um, if you're listening to this, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your uh, support, your patronage, your I guess your interest. You know, your ability to, um, well, not your ability, but like, yeah, yeah, your interest to um, support what I'm doing, to see value in it, merit, whether it's artistically, whether it's personally. You know, I'm trying to create an intentional lifestyle here, and I'm trying to create art that is intentional, that like speaks to people, I think, and, and ultimately gets out what's inside of my, my brain and my soul. And, and sometimes words is a really good way to do that, but um, ultimately, I do have these skills, I do have these creative skills, and I think it would be a life wasted um, if they were only used for. I won't say nefarious purposes, but for comm- purely commercial purposes, um, I think that that would be, for me, a waste, and that's something I want to avoid. So, you know, here's to uh, a launching off point, here's to what comes next, and I'm looking forward to recording more episodes of The Mirror, as well as sharing with you the work um, that I've been working on when it's ready to be shared. Uh, Thanks again, and uh, I'll chat to you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Mirror. The Mirror seeks to provoke questions around the way we create and experience art, and it's my sincere hope that in some way it helps you in your own creative practice and perhaps your life beyond. If this project reaches you in some way, helps you reflect or reframe, or indeed provokes any kind of feelings within you, I'd love to hear from you about it via the contact form on my website. I really appreciate your engagement with The Mirror. You can support me and the work that I do by becoming a sustaining member for as little as $40 a year by signing up at justinread.com.au/slash support. You will help me continue to create exceptional work, feel great about directly funding compelling art, and you'll also receive a bunch of great benefits, including access to exclusive films artworks and behind the scenes material on my membership platform that you can't experience anywhere else discounts on my online store and higher tier subscribers even get free access to all of my premium films before anyone else so become a sustaining member and sign up at justinreed.com.au support you can also support the show by subscribing to my youtube channel and listening to full episodes of The Mirror there, complete with meditative, original visuals created just for this project. Our fantastic music is written, produced, and performed by Annalisa Vetruno, with drums contributed by Giacomo Greco. All of these details and links are included in the episode description. And until next time, I hope you're out there creating great work on your terms. I'm Justin Reed, and you have been listening to The Mirror.